Welcome back to another episode of Sunday Golds. Ario Masudi and Brett Nevitt bringing you this Florida State baseball podcast. The Seminoles taking on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, the number one team in the country at Hauser this weekend. And uh, unfortunately, Florida State could not win the series. And the, the season actually came to an end in terms of having anything left to really play for other than pride. Uh, the Noles were eliminated from postseason and the streak is officially over. However, uh, the Seminoles did compete, and Saturday they, they gave the Deacons everything, everything they could handle, excuse me, and uh, Sunday coming off with a dramatic walk-off victory uh, in come-from-behind fashion. So, Brett, uh, a mixed weekend. My prediction of winning the series did not come true, but I think it was a theme where, again, Florida State's been playing better baseball over the last month or so, and they got rewarded with a win over the number one team in the country. Yeah, I mean, obviously Friday night kind of got away from you there, but, you know, I think they, they kind of knew what they were doing once it got to a certain score and, and Louder's on the mound. I mean, once they go up 2-0, 3-0 early in the game, Louder's on the mound for Wake, you, you do kind of feel like that game's pretty much over. But the next two days, man, they stuck their nose in there and they battled with the best team in the country. And, um, you know, I coming off the weekend, I, I still think Wake is the best team in the country. I, they were missing Sullivan, and still they're the, having Keener on just stepping there on Sunday, and he, he just dominated. Uh, their arms are for real. I, I don't think their bats are maybe as deep as I thought I was. I thought, but Kurtz and Wilkin are two superstars at both corners of the infield, and we saw how good Louder is on, on Friday and how good he's been for the last two years. Um, but, man, I mean, they, you're a couple ounce, couple pitches, maybe one more strike from Whitaker that he wasn't too happy that didn't get called on Saturday from winning that series. And I thought they competed. I thought they played hard. I thought they fought. And I thought that was really good to see. And obviously it's disappointing to come out of that weekend and having nothing left to play for this weekend. And this will be a disappointing overall season overall. And that's not good enough. But it was just good to see them fight, and it was good to see them stick their nose in there and compete with the best team in the country, and then to go go and win on Tuesday as well and, and play a pretty clean baseball game except for one play there against Kennesaw. Um, it's a it's a nice way to end the home season, and overall I think we were, what, 17 and 13 at Hauser this season, so um, end up having a respectable season at Hauser with a 6-2 and two finish over the last eight games, so... Yeah, like you said, a little better feeling coming off coming off the last few games, but you know, still wish that you had a little more to play for this weekend. Yeah, and going into the weekend, Brett, they had a chance, right? A lot of things though had to go their way, and unfortunately, they did not. Um, but we've been talking about, I think, semantics and, and looking towards the future, right? For a couple of weeks now, you and I have been quite honest with the fact that while we talked about mathematically having things to still play for on the table this season was largely over in terms of anything to compete for, uh, anything that would be reasonable for this fan base to be uh, satisfied with. And so we started changing our expectations and, and the way we perceived games towards looking into the future and, and what would stick, what needed to maybe be updated and replaced and fixed, um, what pieces from this team you want coming back, 
some of the young guys I thought really stepped up over the weekend, right? And, and we looked at a Diamez Ross who I was curious how he would do against a pitching staff that was that good, and he looked pretty good for the most part on the weekend. Obviously, the injury, uh, we wish him well, a uh, collarbone injury that that's, you know, kind of scary. And, um, you know, again, we, we hope he recovers as quickly as possible and is, is back in there. But he flashed to me. Uh, Cam Smith flashed to me at times against one of the best pitching staffs, if not the pitching best pitching staff in the country. And uh, we talk about a Kamaka this week who had five RBIs right against Kennesaw State. He's continued to, to really hit uh, some non-conference teams at a high clip. That could be something to build upon. Um, and seeing Jordan Williams, who's not young per se, but didn't get a lot of time, seeing him deliver – Whatever happens with Jordan, right, whether he's on this team next year, whether he's playing baseball somewhere else, he's always going to have that memory. He's going to have a junior college World Series home run and now having a walk-off against the number one team in the country. That was a cool moment. Uh, Overall, man, I think I was just happy to see those guys smile, right? Like I was happy to see them have a moment. We we really haven't had a moment like that all, all season, and I don't think we thought it was possible. So that was cool Sunday. Yeah, and it was, like you mentioned, good to see some of the young guys be part of it and stick their nose in there as well and not be afraid of that competition. And, you know, Link talked about it, I think, on Saturday, just or maybe it was Sunday, just the important of rep, importance of reps for those guys and how, how much better they're going to get just by seeing it. And I think, especially with the hitters, a lot of them, we know the bat talent that's there, but it's the pitch recognition that we're looking for and the pitch recognition that needs to take a step forward. And I think we're seeing that recently with Titan especially. Um, I think Diamas has always been the guy out of that group that has been the most ready, to, I think, to hit for average at this level, and we've seen that this year and certainly saw it before the, the first injury for Diamas and over the last few, the last 12 games he played before suffering the collarbone injury on Saturday. I mean, I think he finished the year with a 12-game hitting streak because he, he won't play again this year and will probably miss all fall ball, as Link said. Um, but, yeah, it's just good to see some of these guys develop in the right direction. That's what we're looking for. It's, it's really, really the only important thing at this point of the season is just you're, you're trying to find the guys that are going to help you down the road at this point. And I think you have some of those guys in Cam. I mean, he started 48 games for you this year. He has 12 homers, the most for an FSU freshman since 2004. Um, I mean, Diamas has one of the longest hitting streaks by a freshman in, in program history and the longest since DJ Stewart in, in 2013. I mean, Titans coming off a five RBI game. Ben Barrett, I thought, threw one of his best games on Tuesday. Jamie Arnold definitely threw his best game. On Sunday, 5.1 quality innings against Wake. And then, I mean, Ryan Dennison's thrown harder than he's ever thrown before. So we have seen guys tick up in the right direction, and that's good to see. Like we've talked about before, like that's, to me, the thing that's been missing the most of this program is just purely development and guys not getting better. But I think right now we are seeing some guys taking the steps that are necessary. And like you mentioned, Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams is a kid that I think a lot of other players in this team gravitate to and you know I was hoping to see Jordan more this year I, I think I had him 13 or 14 on my impact player list coming into the season felt most of fall and preseason that he was going to be a starting outfielder for this team all year he does the things that I think Link likes he gets on base he wrecks havoc with his wheels um, 
played a really good defensive center field the other day. Um, yeah, it's just that that's an odd one to me. It felt like all of preseason and fall and and fall he was going to be their their third outfielder, but after six games or so, we just we really didn't see him the rest of the year until the walk off against Wake. So um, yeah, good to see him just get in there and and make something happen. Um, and obviously, like you said, provide a moment that this team really hasn't had yet this year. We were talking about it on the phone um, after that game about in a season in which you're probably, you know, going to f- hopefully forget at some point, um, a win like that can kind of carry and and help, you know, lift the spirits of a clubhouse through an off season, right? Like at least better than where it could have been. Uh, maybe it convinces some guys who are frustrated with, being a part of the program and are looking at their options elsewhere, maybe that's something that helps keep some guys in the fold. Uh, maybe it allows you to finish strong. And um, we've always talked about momentum in baseball and how important it is uh, to be able to leave the season with some momentum, right, and to propel into the next season uh, with, with optimism. And I think a win like that can do that for that locker room and that clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, it's just more so than anything, just leaving the park with the good vibes. I mean, Link's talked about that a few times recently. Just being able to leave the field after a win is a lot is a lot better than leaving the field after a loss. And, I mean, when you go on a stretch of 20 losses in 22 games, I mean, that's not just 20 losses in 22 games, but that's two wins in about one and a half months on the calendar, six weeks, seven weeks. Of only winning two games, I mean, it got really dark there for for some weeks, and I'm sure there were a lot of people, the coaches, players that were just downright frustrated and miserable. I mean, I know for sure there were days that you and I were miserable, and it's just when you go through a stretch like that, it's nothing that anyone's ever dealt with before, and it's nothing that anyone really wants to ever go through again. And you know, hopefully, we never do have to go through that again, but. Yeah, I think it's just being able to flip the vibes here late in the season a little bit. I think the guys feel better than they have since probably TCU series way back when. Um, it seems like they, they have some confidence again, and, and they're playing with it, and they're playing with fire, and it's, it's good to see them fight. It's good to see them give it back to some teams when you know Wake brings it to them with some trash talk, some tension, and they didn't shy away from it. And, you know, I know some people don't like that when there's tensions on the field, but if someone's going to give it to you, I want I want to see you give it right back. And I, I was pleased with how the guys responded on Sunday, especially, and saw some emotion out of guys we haven't seen before. I saw Andrew Armstrong stare down a wake hitter, yell at him after a strikeout, and I like that. I, I like I felt like I saw some guys for Florida State grow up grow up against Wake. I felt like I saw some guys play with intensity that they may maybe had never played with before, and I think. A lot of that had to do with Wake lighting a fire under them, and if that's what it takes, man, I, it was it was fun to watch. It was it was a good it was a really good series the last two days. Really high tension, high energy, and and yeah, it was it was good baseball, and it was good to see them come out on top of a one run game. Well, it's a different Florida State team than the one we saw for the middle part of that season, and I think that's over the last few weeks been good to see. Where you know if you're talking about playing a little bit better right in April and I'm not talking like you had to be way better but like you might be still 
playing for something, right? Like on the table going into the postseason, we could be talking about scenarios of, of how you sneak into the ACC tournament or how you sneak in to a regional with an at-large bid on the bubble and unfortunately uh, too little too late. But uh, looking forward again, Brett, and we talked about young guys, the pitching staff, what were your thoughts on, on Baumeister and Whitaker? Because those are two guys who could be in your rotation next season. And, and I thought Jamie Arnold flashed a lot of what we had seen from him in, in preseason practices um, and at times this year. That was that, That's as good as Jamie has been in a while. Yeah, I thought Baum, I mean, I think it's just kind of the same story as usual. When when he has the curveball, you, you feel pretty – you feel really good about what Bomb's going to do because, you know, when it, when you put a, something else in the back of hitters' minds and they got to think about it with his fastball and the dominance of his fastball, give them that, that extra millisecond of hesitation and thought, and you really don't have a chance against Bomb's fastball. But when he doesn't have the curveball and, and you can be dead red on the fastball, it, it gives you a chance to do some damage, and especially with the power of Wake's hitters. Um, you know, they, they got to him a few times, and... Um, didn't get the start you were looking for, but overall, I still, I mean, my thoughts on, on J-Bomb don't really change start to start. It, if he has the curveball, he's going to be really good, and I think that it, that will be the biggest thing for him moving forward is just working on the consistency of the breaking pitch so that, you know, he always has it, and because when he has it, like I said, it's just, it's it's really good. It's It's fun to watch. Like that Clemson start, we talked about it before we got on the mic, how good that was. It was just especially seeing how good Clemson's offense is now. It doesn't get much better than that start. Um, Whitaker, that was the best I've seen Connor Whitaker. Um, that was fantastic. He was a bulldog. He gave you every last bit of himself he could have in that start. Um, I mean, he at one point it almost looked like he was going to go a complete game shutout. Gives up a First pitch, I think ambush home run in the seventh, but he responds. I think he retires the next three guys. Um, and, you know, obviously you're one pitch away there against Kurtz in, in, in the eighth, and that was going to be his last batter. Um, Kurtz got a, a fastball with two strikes and, and and just left the yard to center field, and that's the play that Diamas gets hurt on as well. And, and Whitaker had a lot of words for the umpire. Uh, I was pretty – Surprised he didn't get tossed. I think he was a little surprised he didn't get tossed. But you just saw the emotion come out there, and I think it was because he left it all out there. And he knew what that game meant to the team, to the season. Um, it was really a must-win game, and he almost got the job done. I mean, 7.2, three runs against that offense, and it was nearly eight innings and one run against that offense. It That was, that was really good to see from Connor. And I think – I don't know exactly what role Connor will be in next year. I do think he is a good Sunday starter for sure. Um, he can be when he's on like he was on Saturday. He can be a Saturday starter as well. Uh, but you also know that that Wit has that ability to move to the pen if if you need to and, and do it at a high level. Um, but more so than anything, I just you you know what you're going to get from Connor when he steps on the mound and it's someone who competes, someone who throws strikes and and induces a lot of weak contact. So. That was really good to see. I think you asked about Arnold as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the command is coming back a good bit for Jamie. Um, Jamie was never a guy that I really had command issues with, with until this season started. He wasn't someone that had command issues in the fall or preseason or really in high school. Um, and I thought 
yeah, this past weekend was the most I've seen Jamie look like Jamie in a while. And um, using the fastball to both sides of the plate, getting the breaking ball across more consistently. Um, I, I still feel really good about what Jamie's going to be in the long term. I hope he's someone that is that is kept and, and built 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 on and, and developed because I believe there's a lot there. I've always thought that. And same with Ben. I think Ben has a high ceiling on the mound. I, the the off speed for Ben, I think, is there. The changeup is really, really good. I think it might be as good as Whitaker's from the right side. I think needs a little bit more consistency with the, the breaking ball, but it's a it's a good sweet college sweeper when he's got it. I think, and um, I think the last thing to come for him, most importantly, will be the fastball command and just being able to command that to both sides of the plate in the crossfire delivery he has. So I feel good about both those guys and Dennison, like I mentioned, ticking up. The way he has, it's certainly intriguing. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I think pitching has gotten a lot better recently compared to what we were dealing with in that long stretch there. It's been been a lot better this this these past few weeks. I mean, Kirkland, Armstrong, and Oxford have all ticked forward as well. Yeah. Like over the last month. Uh, Doug's has been probably the most pronounced, right? And that's going to happen when you get the back end of the bullpen roll. Um, and, and so closers typically get a little bit more of the shine um, from pen arms. But Andrew Armstrong has quietly put together, I think, a, a really remarkable season, um, especially the back half, right? And you're seeing more and more outings of him going longer relief. I believe he's going to get the start tonight against Louisville. We're recording this on Thursday, um, where it's really about an hour, hour and a half before uh, Florida State and Louisville uh, first pitch. What is the correct term for baseball? It's not you can't you can't kick off, you can't tip off. Play ball before they just play ball. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. It's not as good of a verb as the other two. Anyway, uh, back on track. Uh, Kirkland has been really good, but Armstrong has, I think, been one of the team's MVPs on that staff over the last six weeks. Personal opinion. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is just the flexibility of, of what he's able to do for you. And sometimes you can bring him bring him in to just get one lefty out. And there's other times that you can hand the ball off to Army and say, get us to the end of this game. And like you said, today he's going to start, and we'll see how that goes. The first start didn't go well, um, but pretty much every outing this year for, for Andrew has, has gone well. Um, 4.15 ERA I think is the lowest on the team. Um, of guys that have thrown more than more than 20 innings, um, 52 innings, 51 Ks, 19 walks, 256 average against. Um, yeah, I mean, you take that every day of the week from Army, and I think there there's a little bit more in there, a little more polishing. There can be a, a even better command than he's shown, I think, at times. I mean, the Army's just got so many pitches. He's able to slice and dice and – Reminds me a little bit of Jonah and just the way that he's able to work when he's in the zone um, and the ability to do multiple different things and and just kind of be a rubber arm for you and, and just go get guys out. Um, so I'm intrigued to see how the start goes for him and, and exactly their plan on what they're doing with the start. Um, I don't know if they're just using him as an opener or if they would like to see him go four or five innings and, and take the rest of the weekend off. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, yeah, it's definitely been a step in the right direction this year for Army. Yeah, I think that's someone in the next year if he's back here with Florida State and uh, a veteran arm at that point. 
feels like a, another Scalaro or a Haney or type like that. If if he's if you get him back next year, I kind of like the Jonah comparison. It's not apples to apples, right? Like it's not a just the the what he's given you. Like right. I don't think it's it's not the same exact stuff, not the same exact type of pitcher as Jonah was, but the ability to do different things from the left side and get both righties and lefties out and, and give you multiple innings at times. Yeah, that's like just that. something that's invaluable to you, I think. That works as a good comparison. Um, Oxford, there was a moment probably middle of the season where I thought, I just don't envision you bringing him back next year. Um, however, he has gotten the opportunities in the back half of the season and has started to excel a little bit, especially over his last four or five outings. What has been the difference for him? Uh, and he does have that one year of extra eligibility, uh, a COVID year. Uh, to use as a senior, do you think that that's a guy that next year could come in and still be a, a good lefty specialist for you? Yeah, I don't, I don't know for sure what they're thinking there yet. I do know, you know, Brennan was a redshirt senior, but he also he has a COVID year and a, a redshirt injury year as well from before that. So he does have a year of eligibility left, and that's why he didn't have the senior day with Nander and Colton the other day. But yeah, I don't really know exactly the the reason that that Ox. Is, is has gone back to to what we saw in preseason and fall from him, compared to what we got in that first half of the season. Because um, I, I mean, I going into the season, I felt good about where Ox was at. He missed a lot of bats in the fall. I mean, we saw the numbers in the Cape. He done that in the Cape the year before as well, though. Um, you know, the fastball quality is there for Ox, especially up in the zone. I like the way it plays up there. It's just. He's got to have the slider as well to get guys off the fastball somewhat like bomb. Um, you just don't you don't want to get too predictable, and I think that may be the biggest thing with him is just getting back to having the slider in there at a, at a higher rate, um, allowing him to get more swings and misses with the fastball up in the zone. Has allowed him to get on a bit of a roll. Um, I think he's had, I want to say, like six of his last eight appearances have been scoreless, um, and he's given you – Two plus innings, three times within the last, I think, seven times that he's been on the mound. Um, so yeah, it's been good to see from Ox. Don't know exactly what his plans are after this year. Um, I think he's the same grade as me coming out of high school, 2018. But yeah, he does have that extra year left. So it'll be interesting to see what 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 pro, what goes on there. And this is just observation, but you can tell me if I'm I'm right or wrong. And you alluded to it. His fastball does have some some extra life to it. Like when he's throwing it right, he can get it up in the zone. He can kind of pitch north to south, you know, on that vertical axis. And it feels like when it's on, it does get on top of bats quicker. Uh, is he hiding the ball better a little bit? Is there something that's... There's a lot of a lot of what Wake does in their pitching lab, and it's the high spin, the back spin in the ball, and trying to get kind of that rising effect to it. And throwing it down to certain angles and I think Ox just does a really good job of spinning the heck out of it and it just combined with the the slider when he's throwing it right it, it can work really well but like I said it's just if you can just be dead red on the fastball I mean, so it takes away the quality of it and it, and it kind of gets it back to that 88 90 range but when he's also got the slider I feel like it, it plays up a couple miles per hour yeah um there was one other that I made a note on in the field. I'm looking through mine. Okay, so we touched on it just a, a, for a little. But Titan Kamaka, 
I think has taken advantage of the opportunities that he has gotten lately. Is that someone you envision that could be a fixture in the middle infield for Florida State moving forward? Has he done enough for you to start projecting in, in your mind Kamaka there as a starter next season as someone you can kind of, I don't want to say you build around, but will be in your everyday lineup? It surely feels like he, te- he ticks and he checks off a lot of boxes that you look for in a middle infielder. Yeah, Titan's certainly a bat that they, I think you would obviously like to keep around and, and develop and, and, you know, obviously work with the slug that you've gotten this year and try to get on base a little bit more and the average rises a little bit more. Um, but obviously there's a, there's, there's a ton to like there. And like you mentioned, um, I mean, the ball, just, the ball just jumps off Titan's bat. Um, you know, it is kind of interesting how much he still has DH'd recently, I think, um, compared to have, having Nander at second base. And it's just – I don't know exactly how they feel about Titan at second. I think he has gotten better. Um, and I do, I do think that Titan can do it. I mean, he's only made two errors there all year, 973 fielding percentage. Um, you know, I think they will be, try to look to bring in athletes up the middle and on the middle infield as well from the portal and – in other places, but I think that's just you got to have depth up the middle. Um, you got to have depth on the middle infield. Um, I do think Titan will be one of the guys that are in that group on the middle infield next year. And I mean, he's got nine doubles, five homers, and 121 ABs. He's got only, I mean, I think he's 446 slug. Um, it's just getting the K's down a bit and trying to get the walks up some more. I think will do some good for for Titan. I think Link talked about the. The plate approach and the and the plate decisions getting a little bit better for him day by day, and that allows the the strength in his bat to play because he has some surprising pop in there. The way the ball comes off his bat, it just it just it's always loud when he barrels the ball up. One thing I don't want to get lost on FSU fans in a season again in which not a whole lot's gone your way. Um, it's not going to go down in the record books for a, a good reason. It, it will go down historically uh, for the wrong reasons. But I hope you don't lose sight of the fact that this season we watched James Tibbs turn into a star. And I mean, not like he's a good college baseball player. I mean, like this is a kid that's going to get drafted in the top three rounds someday. Heck, if he plays well next year, he's maybe a first rounder. We'll see. But we watched uh, a bat turn into one of the best hitters in the ACC and in college baseball this year. And uh, maybe he has started to also get comfortable uh, at first base. Uh, It's fun for me, right? Like, it's fun to see a sophomore kind of turn it on. And I think he would be getting more accolades if FSU had more to play for as a team. But I want to shout him out because for me personally calling the games it has been a joy to watch him grow mature develop into what he has become yeah i mean james right now is 11th in the acc and ops for the season i think one thousand thing one one two two is the ops there 335 still 659 slug 463 on base i mean he's got 43 walks the next closest on the team is 20 um and the biggest thing for me is the strikeout rate going down this year the way it has and you know, this year he's part of that. This is this year he's he's faced left-handed pitchers. He's he's played every single game this year. He started every single game. You know, the strikeout rate last year was higher, while he was also not facing lefties for the most part. I think he only had about twenty-five to thirty abs against lefties. Um, 
So for the strikeout rate to be down and for him to stick in there and, and, and compete against lefties the way he's had, I think that's the biggest thing for me. It's just rounded out in his game and the plate decisions are great. You see that in the walk rate, as I mentioned. Um, and then that allows the bat, the bat talent to play. And we see that in the homers and it's just easy juice to all fields. I mean, you see him flick balls off the scoreboard, but it's special when he gets down front and he's going to the pole side, especially over that fence. And I think we'll, we'll see him use, utilize that more and more moving forward. Um, but yeah, him and Jaime, sometimes you forget that they're still only sophomores and with the amount of baseball they've already played here in the last two years and the amount of good baseball they've played in that time. Um, I mean, they've both hit 300 plus for two straight years now. And I think that's hundred plus games. Like that's not an easy thing to do. And, they're still young, still 20-year-olds, I believe, So, or 19-year-olds. I, I believe they're both 20 at this point. But, yeah, man, it's just they're turning into stars, and James has definitely taken a, a big step forward this year, I think, even from a good freshman year. And I think, you know, sometimes you expect a sophomore slump, but I don't think we got that out, that out of either of those guys this year. Yeah, so I'm glad we could – Kind of highlight that. Anything else you want to touch on? Before yeah, I was, we go? Just, I was just going to shout out Colton Vincent. Um, you know, last year was not fun for Colton. and A lot of people took shots at Colton often. I mean, I'm sure there were things that we said on this podcast as well. I mean, it was, it was tough last season for Colton. I mean, that in, hand injury that he dealt with that no one really knew about. Um, except for the guys in that locker room and the people around the program and obviously his fa- friends and family. But no one really knew what he was dealing with. It, it led to a lot of the past ball numbers last year. It led to the lack of average. It, and it was just – it wasn't fun to watch him go through it. But, you know, he toughed it down and he did a lot of things for you still, I thought, last year. As I mentioned, you know, he would just put together good ABs as much as he could. And then – you know, for him to come back this year and hit 291 on the year with, I think, the second highest on-base percentage on the team, 23 ribbies, he's got 11 doubles. He's more than doubled his extra base hit total from last year. I think he's only got, like, five pass balls this year after, after last year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that kid has caught a lot of baseball the last two years at Hauser, and obviously 2022 for him individually, I don't think went the way he wanted, and this year didn't go the way he wanted as a team, but... He's played a lot of baseball at Florida State these last two, three years. He's toughed it out for a lot, and um, I just think he deserves a bit of a shout-out for, for the turnaround he's had this year, especially after, you know, a lot of the hate that he dealt with last year. Oh, that's a good point. He has been fun to watch, and to do it lefty, you know, switch hitting a majority of the time now, and that was cool. That's that's one of the storylines for sure of the season. So 21-30. and 30. Got three games left against Louisville, who is somehow fallen off a cliff. I uh, believe they've lost seven of their last eight. Um, and Florida State plays them well. Perhaps they can get a series victory. Would be, what, the first ACC series victory since Pitt? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, that would be a good way for, for Florida State to go out this year, right? Like, I think that's – you talked about good vibes. We've talked about the trajectory. They've moved upwards for the last month or so to cap it off with a series win against, I think, a, a Louisville program who's been as good as anyone in the country over the last decade under Dan McDonald. Um, it would feel good. 
if you get a sweep, that'd be incredible. That'd put you at 24 and 30, which, look, I'm not here trying to tell you that's respectable. I'm telling you, though, that's a whole lot better than what it looked like uh, five weeks ago when, when we were looking at this record. record so. Yeah. Um, it I don't is, feel like I don't is, feel like we should preview the series. There's really nothing. Nah, I mean, it starts in an hour. <laughs> there's nothing to really even like. They're, they're bad. Louisville's bad. That's, yeah. that's what you should know. Um, these series have always meant a lot, though. Like over yeah, the years, I think which that's is kind the of weirdest, hilarious. That's the weirdest part about it, and it's kind of just it just puts you in like a weird fog. It does. It, there was a really weird fog, like at the stadium on on Tuesday too. I thought. I mean, it felt like two teams that didn't even really want to play. And it was like, oh, crap, the sky has stopped falling on Tallahassee and we have to play this baseball game now that's basically meaningless to both teams. It's it's definitely a weird feeling at those games. But, you know, I think this weekend they'll be playing to not finish in last place of the ACC against each other. So there is that. And I think Florida State-Louisville is always – there's always a little something extra to that, I feel like. Do you think it's a weekend in which – this staff gives some of the lesser used bats, younger bats, younger arms, a chance to kind of maybe get some ABs and make a last a, a, a final impression before some decisions have to be made. I mean, the injury with Ross does open up a spot, um, and we saw. You know, I, don't, I I didn't get to ask Link about Trayton, but he also was unavailable on Tuesday. I don't know what his availability status is this weekend. Um, if he was to be out, that'd be another spot as well. And we saw Lance play left um, with Williams in center on Tuesday. But, I mean, we haven't seen much of it yet for guys like Gunnett Carlson. Um, Jordan Taylor started on Sunday, I believe, uh, but only got a couple ABs. But, yeah, I think the one for me to see would be Gunnett, um, a little bit of Jordan Taylor and a little bit of Lance Triple as well. Um, if you can get some at-bats for those guys, I think it would be beneficial for them. Dude, Gunnett has a 462 on-base percentage. Nine overall at-bats, two hits, three times he's walked, one hit by pitch. That's that's something. I mean, you just wonder why he hasn't played as much this year. Anyway, um, all right, man. I think that's a good episode, but – what we'll do, and I'm going to ask you guys this on this podcast, if you have questions, email us, uh, DM us on Twitter, uh, mention us on Twitter. Just find a way if you have questions uh, on Knowles 24-7's board, Brett can answer. Well, I wouldn't say answer some. Take some, and then we'll try and answer them in a mailbag pod next week as we kind of recap the overall season and give you a peek of what to look forward to in the summer and where we're going in the off season with Florida State's roster reconstruction. So ask away. Uh, again, I also want to thank you guys for listening. Our numbers are still strong uh, despite the season that has been going on. Um, appreciate your patience. Uh, appreciate your support. Um, it's been cool to see in the stands, you know, fans still coming out despite the season and supporting that baseball team. Shout out to the Animals of Section B. Best group of fans in baseball maybe in sports, bar none. Like, they're really good. Um, and uh, stay with us. I mean, this summer will be fun. It almost feels like an, uh, an MLB season in which the off season might be more entertaining than the regular season in which you played. So this is where the fun begins. Let's see what Florida State does to improve this thing. Link Jarrett's adamant 
His staff is adamant they're going to work hard to get this thing right. And so I think he deserves at least that much, uh, the patience and the time to get it right this offseason. But we're on Spotify, on Apple, and everywhere else you get your favorite pod. If you could do us a favor, those of you listening on Apple, can you mash the five-star button? Um, if you leave a review, we'll love you even more. But at the very least, do us do us that solid and, and hit five stars as we try and uh, push this podcast forward and – uh, those of you who have been uh, funding us and donating and, and contributing and supporting, we appreciate that as well. Um, we see that, and it does help us with a couple of different things. So, Brett, uh, we will talk next week. Hopefully Florida State series win at Louisville to end things on a positive note. And until we talk to you again, he's Brett. I'm Mario, and this is Sunday Golds.